anymore these days, many of us do the majority of our shopping online. Raise your hand if you do a lot of your shopping online. I'm assuming that many of you raised your hands. One thing that I've noticed, you have to be careful online, is when you, you buy something online, you can't inspect it with your hands and your eyes and your senses beforehand. And this happens a lot of times. People shop on Amazon uh, and other places, but there are people who sell knockoff products on Amazon, especially for some of the name brand items. You can buy things that have the appearance of the name brand. They're called the same thing. They look the same, but when you get them, they don't work or they're inferior in some way. I have a something that I got here. This was actually, this is actually a genuine. This is not a knockoff. This is called the of glove because it's uh, meant to be used for the oven. <clears throat> you put these bad boys on and you can touch things up to 540 degrees and not burn yourself. They're really quite amazing. Flex, flexible, <clears throat> good grippy surface. But they sell a product that is a few dollars less on Amazon and you think you're buying these but you're actually buying some that look exactly like them, but when you put your hands in the oven to take out that casserole, people get burned. It looks the same on the outside, but it doesn't work when it comes to reality. Today we're talking from the book of James about counterfeit faith, a faith that looks okay on the outside, but on the inside there's something wrong. It's a faith that's not working. What kind of faith do you have? I don't want to have a counterfeit faith. Book of James has not always been widely accepted within Christianity. In fact, early on it, it wasn't adopted right away by the early church fathers and some have suggested that this was because the messages of James are very pointed and they're very sharp and we don't always like to feel like God's stepping on our toes. Later on, we get to the, to the great reformer Martin Luther. He called it the epistle of straw. He didn't like it because he thought it contradicted Paul when talking about salvation by grace through faith alone. We'll see today that that's not how James is to be understood. In fact, when you understand James, he actually agrees with the Apostle Paul. He's not talking about salvation by works. He's talking about the quality of faith by which we are saved. Do you have a counterfeit faith? Well, James has some things to say about that. What we need is a genuine, authentic faith. So I invite you to open up to James chapter 2, continuing our series through this important book of the Bible, James chapter 2, and we're going to verse 14. <clears throat> James chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to be seeing here, again, James is clarifying what type of faith we're saved with, not introducing some new method of salvation. James 2 verse 14, 
He starts off, he says, what does it profit, my brethren? And I'm reading from the New King James Version today. What does it profit, brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? So this is kind of an interesting question. Somebody says, I have faith, but there's no evidence through any sort of works in their life. Works like loving other people as Jesus commanded us. Works like keeping those commandments like Marlon reminded us. Works like sharing the good news of salvation. Somebody says, I have faith, but those things are lacking. Not that they struggle to do those things, they just, they're not there. Can faith save him? In other words, can a faith without corresponding acts of obedience lead to salvation? And before we answer that question, let's just take it a step back and ask a bigger question. How are we saved? How are we saved? And I want to do our one diversion from the book of James this morning into the book of Ephesians, because I want to make sure that this point is absolutely clear as we begin. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and the well-known verse in verse 8 is where we're going. Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, and you'll recognize these words as we read them. Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, For by paying tithe you have been saved through the online platform at parkwood.adventistfaith.org. No? For by what? Shout it at your TV. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. To be saved is like trying to jump across the Grand Canyon. To be saved by your own works. You might be able to get five or ten feet across, but you can never make it all the way across. We are saved only by the grace of Jesus. Exercising our faith, the faith that he even gives us. He being the author and the finisher of our faith. We're saved by grace through faith alone, not of works. So there's no boasting. And as we say that, there's no contradiction in reading verse 10. Understanding that platform, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved by the merits and the grace and the blood of Jesus alone. And as he saves us, and as we have a genuine faith, it leads us to want to follow him. It leads us to want to obey him. Obedience is what we call works. But it's never those works that save us. It's the act of Jesus and the genuine faith we put in him that leads to our salvation. So we go back to James. James chapter 2, verse 14. 
What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he does not have works? From what we've already seen, there must be something wrong with the type of faith that this person has. And we're going to see what kind it is here in just a moment. And then he gives us an example in verse 15, James 2.15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? So someone comes to you and they say, I'm in desperate need. Now I realize that in today's society, sometimes people do come to us and they want money from us. And I'll be honest, there are times when I don't give money because there are some people who use it to support a habit or an addiction or so forth. What I prefer, and what many of you already prefer, is to find a way to help with food. If, if they need food, well, let's, let's get some food. Uh, if they need help with a ride or, or this or that, let's provide them. Um, but the, the point is this. If someone comes to you with a legitimate need, and all you do is say, hey, God bless, man, thoughts and prayers, there's probably something that's missing inside of us. Now, I believe in the power of prayer. Don't get me wrong. We should be praying for the people who have needs. Prayer is a work. It is a type of um, obedient response to Jesus. And when we pray, prayer, prayer changes things. But often we use something that is easier for us to do as an excuse or a way to soothe our conscience to keep us from doing something that's bigger. In fact, I read an interesting, or I was listening to the radio one day, and it was very fascinating talking about recycling. I'm all, I'm all for recycling. I think it's important and useful and helpful. Um, it's a shame just how much garbage and waste that we, we produce every single week and get rid of. But this, this person who cares very much for our world and for our environment was saying people often do the little thing. They, they put stuff in a recycle bin and it makes them feel like they've done their part in order to help keep our world nice. And it keeps them from doing the bigger things. As somebody who loves to get outdoors and loves to be in pure, fresh, clean air, or loves to go swimming in a lake of pure, clean water. It's really disheartening when you go someplace that has been polluted and destroyed by us. And so this person on the radio was saying, don't let the small thing prevent you from doing something bigger, from looking for bigger changes to try and keep this world nice. Spiritually, don't just stop at thoughts and prayers. Go beyond that as the Spirit leads. Look for ways to radically show God's love to the people who need it. End of verse 16, there's that question. What does it profit? What does it profit? In other words, he's asking a rhetorical question. Is there a profit? And he's saying, 
in the bigger sense of what you could be doing, no. And so he concludes, thus also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. In other words, your faith is a counterfeit faith if it doesn't lead you to do anything for God. You got the wrong kind of faith if you never respond the way that Jesus would. And Jesus responded differently to different people. But if your faith isn't working in your life and doing something, then you got the wrong kind of faith. Your faith is dead. And then there's this hypothetical discussion. Verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Um, Sometimes we feel like Faith is a spiritual gift, and, and action works, that's another spiritual gift. And Hey, brother, you've got that one, and I've got this one, and that's good for you because you're the toe, and I'm, a, I'm another toe, a part of the body. But James says, no, no, no. If you have true faith, it will lead to true action. It's not an either-or. If you truly have the faith of Jesus in your heart, it's going to lead you to loving action. What sort of action? Well, things like the fruit of the Spirit. If you have the fruit, the Holy Spirit in your life, it's going to make you want to start being more loving. You're going to find yourself being more patient. You're going to find yourself responding to the Holy Spirit working in your life if you have a genuine faith. You can't have profession without practice, James says. True faith leads to true action. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Good job. But then he says this, even the demons believe. And they tremble. The devil knows who Jesus is. The demons know who Jesus is. In fact, We see stories in the Gospels where they say, I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the Most High. What have you come here to do to it? The demons know and believe in Jesus as God. If that's all our faith is, it's hard to say, but we might have a demonic faith. Because the demons, while they believe and while they know, it doesn't lead them to lovingly respond to what Jesus wants to do through them, in them. It doesn't lead them to serving Jesus. It just leads them to this intellectual um, understanding of who Jesus is. James says, if your faith doesn't lead you to some sort of action, You've got demonic faith. You've got a counterfeit faith. And then he gets a a really powerful example from the life of Abraham. Verse 21. Actually, verse 20. But do you know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? That is, a faith that is merely an intellectual faith. It's dead, if that's where it stops. Verse 21. For was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Now, these words and this language can kind of trip us up a little bit. 
And so some people say, no, 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 see, James is saying we're saved by works. Um, but again, this is a misunderstanding. James is, is talking about a type of faith uh, that's genuine and leads us to action. So he's saying, didn't Abraham have actions that corresponded with his living, true, genuine faith? And the answer is, yes, he sure did. And it's interesting. Notice he says when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Now, here's a question. Did Abraham go through the whole process of offering up his son on the altar? No. Thank God. That was never God's intent. Um, God provided a lamb. But by his faith, by his intent, he demonstrated his whole heart was with God. He gave up even the most precious thing to him. Faith is committing our hearts to God, being willing to give even the most precious things to God, knowing that God's able to handle them. God is big enough. In fact, in Hebrews it says that Abraham believed that God could even bring his son back up from the grave. So Abraham's faith was working. It was genuine faith. He was not saved by his works. He was saved by his faith. That works. Verse 22, do you see that his faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. He had a faith that was genuine, that led him to obedience. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Genesis 15, verse 6 is where it's quoted, where long before he even did anything, God looked at his faith, and he said, yep, that's genuine faith. Here's a guy I can trust. Here's a guy that will follow me. Wouldn't it be nice to be called friend of God? I want to be called friend of God. Verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In other words, the faith alone, that's the faith that demons have. It's not the fake faith, the artificial faith. Uh, man is justified by the type of faith that leads to loving service. The true faith that leads to true action. Verse 25, another example. We, we go from Abraham, who was wealthy, who was influential, who was rich, well thought of, and now who do we go to? Verse 25, we go to Rahab. Rahab the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Rahab, poor, not thought of well, of a low estimation in society, but she too had a faith that believed and trusted in God, a faith that had corresponding action that was the natural outgrowth of it. It's kind of like this. If you are a healthy apple tree, you grow apples, right? You don't have to add apples onto a healthy apple tree. Sometimes we try to add on works but there's something broken inside. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you're connected to me, 
good things are going to happen. The good things that are happening aren't what connects the vine to the branch. It's the connection that causes the good things to happen. Does that make sense? First the connection, and after the connection, all the good things flow out of it. So maybe you're thinking about your own heart today, and you're thinking, boy, I'm not sure I have that genuine faith. Now there are some reasons that prevent us from from acting and from obeying God. Sometimes we're afraid. We have a a true faith, but we're just afraid because maybe God is calling us to action in an area that we're a little bit scared. Or other times, we, we really do love God, but we let busyness be an excuse. Um, Or we just don't know what to do when it comes to some of these more active things in sharing our faith. But of course, remember that, that God calls all of us to be loving. That's one of the most essential and needed actions of Christians, of, of people in this world. So it could be one of those things, or maybe you just have a belief in who Jesus is, but you haven't allowed him fully to enter in and affect not just your head, but your heart. And so today, James invites you to a genuine faith. How do we get a genuine faith? Well, it starts with Jesus, whom the apostle in Hebrews says is the author and the finisher of our faith. We talk to him and we say, God, I recognize as I compare my life with your word, I see that there are things I'm not doing. And I need your help. I want a true faith, a pure faith, a pure heart. And I want your strength to live out the things that you're putting in my heart. Abraham had a genuine faith and it resulted in actions for God. Rahab had a genuine faith and it resulted in actions for God. And then he concludes this section in verse 26. For as the body without the spirit, without the breath, is dead, so faith without works is dead. Sum it all up, true faith leads to true action. You know, it's been said that Martin Luther was close friends with another monk um, around the time that he began to do something for the Reformation. Both Martin Luther and this monk believed Reformation in the church needed to happen, and they made an agreement, an arrangement. The one monk was going to stay in his cell in the monastery and pray, and Martin Luther was going to go out and do it. Well, one day, one night, rather, the monk had a dream. And in this dream, he saw somebody harvesting a field, all by themselves, harvesting a field, and it was just one person. And when the person turned, he saw the face of the person harvesting, and lo and behold, it was Martin Luther all alone in a field that was too big for him to harvest. And it was at that point that the monk realized prayer is essential, but if we only pray and we don't act, we won't accomplish the mission. So he began to do the work also. Almost every single one of us is capable of doing more than praying. Praying is powerful. Praying is awesome. But praying, prayer, 
truly leads us to action for God. So the challenge for this morning is to let your faith, let your prayer life lead you to genuine action and activity for God and for his kingdom. Let it help you love others more. Let it help you serve others more. Let your faith lead you to want to share and to do actions that involve you sharing your faith more. We're not called to sit on this wonderful truth we received. We're called to share it. Are you willing to to let God lead you to action today? I want to have that genuine faith. How about you? Let's pray. Dear God, I'm thankful that you love us so much and you've saved us. You've forgiven us of our sins. You've set us free and you've, you've wanted to involve us in your work in loving people, in in tangible, practical ways, in serving people, in sharing the good news, in, in actual ways that impact people in this community that don't know about you. Show us individually, Lord, what you're calling us to today and tomorrow and the next day, and give us joy as our faith leads to action. We pray this all, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Sabbath, and we will see you soon.